Welcome, everybody. Good morning, and uh, good to see you. Thanks so much for being here. And welcome to all of you joining us online, whether you're at home, in a dorm room, uh, wherever you're at. We're just delighted to have you uh, with us. Now, before I get started, I want to tell you a little bit about Christmas Eve weekend coming up. Christmas Eve weekend, we're going we're gonna to have four identical candlelight services on, on uh, Saturday at 5, Sunday at 9, and at, and at 10.30. And then we're adding one. Sunday at 4 p.m. And all four identical candlelight services. And we are just really super excited because it's going to be a great time to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And it's also our greatest outreach opportunity of the year. And so we've got some invitation pieces at the door on your way out. We hope that you'll take, uh, take one of those, take a few of those, and pray about who God uh, wants you to invite on Christmas. It's real simple to invite somebody. You just say, hey, you know, if you don't have a church to go to this Christmas, we'd love to have you come. And join us. And what that does, if they already have a church, good for them. And we want other churches to succeed. But if you don't, we'd love to have you join us at River Glen. And uh, tell them about the uh, candlelight service that we have. It's going to be a great celebration. We're going to have some great music in this, in this room. We're also going to have live music in the lobby. We're also going to have a hot chocolate bar in the lobby. That's going to be really cool. Give them the invitation piece. If you, if you can't attend the service uh, with them, and if your schedule permits, we would love for you to also uh, volunteer and come and help us with another service. And so I hope you'll join us on Christmas Eve weekend. Bring somebody with you. If you can't make it, go to our online campus, and you can watch any of the four services online. Well, speaking of Christmas and music, question for you. How many of you, how many of you would say that you like music? You know, you're just like any kind of music, okay? Yeah, quite a few, everybody, everybody likes music. And so if I were to say to you, think of a classic country music song. Uh, you could probably do that. Nod your head if you can think of a classic country song. Yeah, okay. Uh, or if I said, think of a patriotic song. I think many of us would probably think of the Star Spangled Banner. And if I said, think of a classic Christmas carol, my guess is, that many of us would, would think of this, this great Christmas carol, O Holy Night, that inspired this new service, new series that we're beginning uh, today. Now, I want you to imagine something with me, okay? I want to I transport you back in time to your childhood. And I want you to imagine that you're at a, a school. You're, 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 you're a kid and you're at a school Christmas concert or you're at a church Christmas choir concert and the concert's just about coming to an end when the last soloist gets up to sing, Oh Holy Night. Here's the words. Oh Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. I wish I could sing this to you, but I can't. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. And we all know what happens next, right? And this is the part where you tense up a little bit. You, know? you get a little nervous because you're wondering if the soloist is gonna be able to hit the right notes you know, for the next few lines. I mean, all of us have had to sit through some bad uh, renditions of O Holy Night, like this one. That's enough. That's brutal. Uh, 
Can you believe this? We found that on YouTube. Yeah, and it's got uh, over a million and a half hits on it. But uh, I don't know, I just cannot unhear it. And, uh, uh, but back to the scene, okay? Back to your Christmas concert, and it is the opposite. The soloist belts it out beautifully. And this feeling of awe and just a sense of, 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 of relief comes over you. Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices. Oh, night divine. Oh, night when Christ was born. Oh, holy night is a great song that tells the Christmas story. It expresses hope, and it gives you the feeling of Christmas. And you know what? It does all that in about three minutes. The lyrics of this song are filled with powerful, uh, theological, deep truths. It reminds us that Christmas night, that first Christmas night, was a holy night. Now, think about that word holy. That's not just a word you throw out. No, it means sacred. It means set apart. That first Christmas night was different than any other night in the history of, of this planet. And so it guidance from this great Christmas carol and grounding in the scriptures. We are going to explore some theological and life-changing truths as we uh, begin this new series called The Thrill of Hope. On Christmas Eve, we're going to focus on my favorite line of the song, Till He Appeared. Because on this holy night, God broke through. God invaded this planet as a baby. His incarnation changed everything. Another week, we're going to talk about a new and glorious morn. That line declares that every one of us can get a new start because God has made forgiveness and redemption and salvation accessible and available to every single person. Next week, we're going to look at the most tender line, the soul felt its worth. And if you've ever felt like your life doesn't matter, like you're this add-on in this world, we have evidence to the contrary. God showed up for you and for me. And because of that, our souls can feel their worth. And then we're going to spend a weekend on the crescendo of the song, the most powerful line that says, fall on your knees. That, that reminds us that God is God and we are not. And because of that holy night, we worship the God who came in Jesus. But today, I want to start with a line that I think many of us can relate to this Christmas. Anybody feel like you're living in a weary world? So much in our world is wearying. But today will remind us that the weary world rejoices. Now, this word weary is actually a great word to describe the first century world that Jesus was born into. People felt weary because of war and terrorism. At this point in history, the Roman Empire had expanded through incredible oppression and taxation and just manipulation of people. And this terrorism or, or, or this oppression gave birth to terrorism. Terrorism is not something that just started in the 20th century. No, it broke through back in the first century. In fact, there was a group called the Sicarii uh, who roamed the streets. The word Sicarii means little sword. And they would carry a little dagger inside their cloak, and they would walk around, roam around in, in massive crowds looking for Roman citizens or Roman sympathizers. And they would sneak up, and they would stab them. And then they would disappear into the crowd. The people were weary. And they were weary from the economic chaos. Trading was good, but now it was bad. Investments were up, but now they went down. Interest rates soared, and property values went down. Ordinary people, ordinary people could just see their wealth slipping through their hands because of the outrageous taxes 
from the Roman Empire. People also felt weary because they lived in a, in a society, in a civilization that had lost its moral compass. They discarded the sick, orphans, roamed the streets, sexuality had no boundaries. It was just every man, woman, and child for themselves. The first century was a weary world. And weary is also a great word to describe much of the world that we live in today. Earlier uh, this week, I picked uh, uh, this up. And uh, for any of, you, any of you that don't know, this is called a newspaper. Uh, people used to read these. But I'll tell you what, looking through this, it made me weary. In, in the front section, there was an article about the growing opioid epidemic of addiction and overdose deaths in our community. And next to that, an article about a local drug dealer charged in a fatal shooting. It makes me weary. And I, I didn't even want to go over to the arts and entertainment section because, you know, there's probably something in there about the Kardashians or Justin Bieber. Makes me, makes me weary. We live in a weary world. And for some of us, Weary is how life feels even closer to home. You know, we, we're weary from fighting with people that we're supposed to be loving. Weary from having too little and needing too much. Weary from the aches and pains of our bodies growing another day older. Weary from putting in too many hours and getting too little satisfaction. Weary about the past and weary about the future. We live in a weary world, but the song says that a weary world, the weary world rejoices. The, the, the weary world is filled with joy because on that holy night, God sent a messenger into the world to declare these words. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. See, on this holy night, God gives us reason for joy. God gives us reason to rejoice. And notice, it's not just joy. It's great joy. <clears throat> in, the, in the original language, it's literally mega joy. This is really good news. But joy, true joy, can often be very elusive for us. Dr. Brene Brown has uh, written a, a, a book called Daring Greatly and also done extensive research and offers what I think are some just brilliant insights on joy. She says that joy is not happiness. Joy and happiness are two different things. Happiness is, is based on you know, what happens to you, happenstance. Joy is extraordinary happiness that is independent from your circumstances. Now, my guess is that you probably have heard that uh, before, that true, deep, lasting joy is independent of what happens to you. But here's the part of her research that was new to me that I'd never recognized or considered. She said that the reason many people don't experience joy is because we tend to dress, rehearse, tragedy. Have you ever heard this phrase before? Dress, rehearse, tragedy? I had not. Here's what it means. We dress, rehearse, tragedy when things are going great, and we say to ourselves, this can't last. Something bad is about to happen. Or we dress, rehearse, tragedy when we get a raise at work, or maybe somebody says something nice to us, and we think, they must want something from me. I wonder what's coming next. Or we dress, rehearse, tragedy when a relationship's going really well, and we think to ourselves, this is too good. This is not going to last. It's only a matter of time before something blows apart. You know, do you ever, do you ever find yourself doing this? I do. I, I do it. I dress, rehearse, tragedy every time I watch a Green Bay Packer game. Yeah, the Packers could be up 28 points, 
and I'm like, something bad's going to happen. I know it, you know. I, I lose my, my, my joy. But I also find myself doing this. I thought about it in relationship to my job. Somebody will compliment me or maybe say something nice uh, to me about something I've done. But rather than accepting the compliment and, and feeling joy in the moment, I think about fail, failure in the future and the criticism that might come. It's almost like we're afraid to give ourselves to joy. We think if we give ourselves to it, that we're going to be blindsided by something bad. And nobody wants to be blindsided. And so what we do is to protect our hearts, we, we dress rehearse tragedy. Maybe that's why some of us really enjoy the Christmas season, because for a few short weeks, nostalgia can act almost like a substitute for the joy that we all long for. We know that joy is elusive, but we can all muster up a cheerful Merry Christmas. We know that lasting joy is not going to come from Christmas parties or Christmas gifts or Christmas uh, movies. But the nostalgic, warm, fuzzy feelings that this season brings can serve almost as a temporary substitute for the joy that we all want. But listen, Christmas means so much more than nostalgia. Christmas means we've got a reason for great joy, for real, deep Lasting joy. Maybe that's why the first words the angel spoke uh, that, that first Christmas, the first words the angel spoke to Mary were, do not be afraid. Maybe what the angel meant was, don't dress rehearse tragedy. Stop worrying about what might happen. I'm, I'm bringing you a real reason to have joy, both now and for all eternity. And what is the reason for joy? Well, one of Jesus' closest friends named John, it's called the uh, Apostle John, had something to say about that. John wrote one of the first four books of the New Testament called the Gospel of John, but he also wrote a series of letters that we find toward the end of the New Testament. And I think the first few verses in a letter called 1 John contain some of the most powerful verses about Christmas. Now, when we read these words, you know, you might think this isn't a Christmas passage. There's nothing about Mary in here. There's nothing about the shepherds or the manger in here. There's nothing about the angels in here. And you're right. This passage doesn't describe the events of Christmas, but it does tell us what the events of Christmas mean. And this is critically important because we can find true, deep, lasting joy in the meaning of Christmas. So let's begin. Let's take a look at what John says here. He begins by saying, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen, who we saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. John says, we heard him. We saw him. We touched him. In other words, this is real. As you, as you read these words, as you hear these words, I want you to picture John. Imagine him in a courtroom giving sworn testimony. He's got his right hand raised in the air, and he declares, this is real. This really happened. God came to this planet in the form of Jesus. It's not just some nostalgic story. It's not some feel-good fable that we recount every December. It really happened. Jesus is God come to earth. I mean, think back to the uh, newspaper headlines I shared uh, earlier. Imagine if the largest uh, headline, imagine if the lead story in today's paper said Christ is born in Bethlehem. Imagine if the events of that first Christmas happened today and were reported to you by eyewitnesses at the scene. If, if, if that were today's lead 
story, wouldn't that change the way that you looked at every other weary story in this paper? Well, here's the thing. It is the lead story. It, it really did happen. John reminds us, this is not just a nice story. This is not something we tell to bring holiday cheer. This is real. This is true. This really happened. Jesus has come. And then he continues and he says, the one who is life itself was revealed to us and we've seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and then he was uh, revealed to us. Look at these phrases, the one who is life itself. The one who is eternal life. Notice he doesn't say Jesus has life. He doesn't say Jesus gives life. He says Jesus is life. He is eternal life. And what does that mean? Well, Pastor Tim Keller explains it this way. It, he writes this so beautifully. I'm just going to read it to you. He says, in every other religion, the founder is a prophet or a sage. And the founder says, here's the way for you to find eternal life. Do this, do this, do this, do this, and you will be saved. But Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Christianity does not say Jesus is a great prophet pointing the way to God and how we can save ourselves. Jesus Christ, according to Christmas, is God come to save us, to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. To know him is eternal life. That's why John declares, this is life. To know Jesus is eternal life. And here's what this means for you today. If you're tired of trying to measure up, if you're weary from trying to prove yourself, if you're exhausted from, from trying to be good enough, here's the good news, you're off the hook. You, somebody did for you what you can't do for yourself. Christmas means that you're saved by grace. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. Life is yours by accepting this gift that was given to us on that Christmas night. And not only does Jesus save us, John continues, he says, we proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. See, Jesus came that first Christmas because he wanted to have fellowship with us. He wants to have a relationship with you because God wasn't content just to be a concept to be, to be believed. God was not content to be a, a, a powerful force to be worshipped. No, God wants us to know him. That's why God put on, literally, put on flesh to be close to us, to be somebody that we could relate to so that we could experience intimacy with him. That's why Christmas declares, this is love. I don't know if uh, any of you have heard of an author by the name of Dorothy L. Sayers. Dorothy was a, a famous author. She lived in the 20th century in England, and uh, people loved her books, her novels, her poetry. Uh, many of her works are, are still popular uh, to this day. Dorothy's best known for writing mystery novels, typically detective fiction, and she's also one of the first female graduates of Oxford University. And I bring her up because she did something risky and creative. In her writings, her most famous character that she created was the English aristocrat and amateur sleuth by the name of Lord Peter Whimsey. And through a series of 11 novels and many short stories, Peter solved many complicated mysteries. But about halfway through the series of novels, Dorothy introduced a new character, a female character by the name of Harriet Vane. And interestingly, Harriet was also a writer of, de of detective fiction, and she was also one of the first female graduates 
of Oxford University. And after Harriet and Peter meet and solve a couple of mysteries together, they fall in love. And they live happily ever after. Now, many people who have reviewed her work have said that as Dorothy looked at this world that she created, and as she looked at the man that she created, she fell in love with him. Although he, and although he was the hero of the stories, she saw his loneliness and felt like he needed somebody to save him. And so here's what Dorothy did. She wrote herself into the story. She wanted him to know love. And so she loved him. And you know what? That's exactly what God did on the holy night. The one who created us. The one who loves us. He wrote himself into our story because he wants to have fellowship with us. He wants to have a relationship with us. He wants us to know love. And so he came to love us. Oh, holy night tells us this is real. This is life. And this is love. And why does John want us to know all this? Well, he gives us the answer. Here's why. He gives us the answer himself. He says, we are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. He wants every one of us to experience deep, real, lasting joy. See, Christmas gives us the reason for joy. In the middle of our weary world, we know something that is really true. In the middle of our weary world, we know something that is really life. In the middle of our weary world, we know someone who is really loved. And because of that, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to dress rehearse tragedy. We can have joy because unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And because of him, the weary world has reason to rejoice. And so joy is ours for the taken. It is God's gift to every person here. But remember, joy is elusive. And it is something that we have to, to practice. Earlier, I referenced the work of Dr. Brene Brown. She goes on to say that joy is something that you've got to work at. She explains that through more than 12 years of research with thousands and thousands of people on the topic of joy, she's never met anybody that she would consider joyful who did not actively practice gratitude. Gratitude is not an attitude, Brown says. It is a practice. It's something that you work at. It's a, it's a habit that you cultivate every day. Joyful people practice gratitude by actively appreciating the good things in our lives and the reasons, the many reasons that we have for joy. And so this Christmas, let's not just settle for nostalgia. We don't have to settle for nostalgia because we have so many reasons for joy. Our challenge as we enter the Christmas season is, is to cultivate joy by actively practicing gratitude. I want to show you a, a video. Maybe some of you have, have seen this. A church in North Carolina uh, put this together, and it's gone viral. And it has inspired many, many people to uh, cultivate joy by practicing gratitude. Take a look. <laughs> I'm alive! Yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, Christine! You're here too! I love you! I know! Dad! What's happening? Honey, the power works! It's coming, it goes on and off! Whatever we want! <laughs> We've got clean water! Oh, that's great! Look at that! Ooh. I bet I know what this does! Rain down the glorious water! 
<laughs> Shoes. Oh, what do we got here, guys? Food. Mm, I love food. What? A big thing? Do you have work? This is awesome. Look, look at him. The what? Jack, be careful. Oh. I have a car. Yeah, you have a car! Oh, yeah. A car! <laughs> and don't forget your coffee. You're the best. <laughs> and that have a great message to it. I love the creativity. They did a good job putting that together. Yeah, God's given us so many gifts and provided for so many of our needs, including our, our greatest need of Jesus. We have so many reasons for joy. And so we put together a simple handout uh, for you to help, to help us cultivate joy. I think you were handed one of these when you walked in the uh, door. And I want to encourage you to use this as a tool every day between now and Christmas uh, Day. When you wake up in the morning, before the, the weariness of the world just rushes in at you, Think about, focus on the good things in your life. Focus on the reasons that you have for joy. And uh, every day, write down a reason I have for joy today. I encourage you, put this somewhere where you can see it. Maybe on your bathroom mirror, maybe on your refrigerator. Take one for every person in your family. Here's what you'll find, that when you practice gratitude, you'll become more joyful as a person, even in the midst of your greatest weariness. You and I have reason to rejoice. So let's celebrate this Christmas by remembering and expressing gratitude to God for all the reasons that we have for joy. The song says, Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. This weary world has a reason to rejoice. You and I, we've got a reason to rejoice because we know something that is true. We know something that is life. We know someone who is love. That's what Christmas means. That's why Jesus came. And may we know his joy this Christmas season. I'm gonna close our service uh, with prayer. Would you stand with me for closing prayer? God, I know that each one of us probably enters into this Christmas season in a different place. God, for some of us, things are going really well. But despite that, we might be dress rehearsing some tragedy. God, for others of us, we're feeling the weariness full tilt right now. But God, no matter where we are at, we, we just step back. Help us step back and think about that holy night because we know that we have every reason to rejoice. Thank you for what you came to do for us. Thank you for entering our world. Thank you for loving us the way that you do. And God, I pray as we go through this month and as we go through this, this Thrill of Hope series together that you would teach us joy. God, thank you for bringing us this gift of joy. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Have a great day, everybody. And we'll see you next week.